Hey, welcome to the Heavy Hole. I'm Tom. And I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Hey, I'm Justin. How's it going, guys? How was your week, Tom? Week? Fantastic. Did a lot of drinking. Will, how was your week? Uh, busy, man. Um, went to the, the Monster Gym, Monster Truck Show. No the shit. The Nassau Coliseum there. Yeah, I kept it real. How was that? It was great. Um, El Toro Loco, the Mexican bull-themed monster truck uh, and and driver who won. The horns pointed yeah, straight at you the whole time. Yeah, he, he won all <laughs> the, co- direction. the collected points of all the different competitions. That that was the winner. Gravedigger was there strong. That's what I'm, that's my question is yeah. who, who's driving? How many generations of Gravedigger? A young there? lady. There's a very tough young lady driving Gravedigger at the moment. She repped it. Uh, is that Dennis Anderson's daughter? I don't. Well, yeah, I think her last name was I feel Anderson. Like it might be. Yeah, yeah, you're okay. So you're a little, you're a little more knowledgeable about this than me. But yeah, her last name was Anderson. Yeah, Love my yeah. grave digger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but what I'm really excited about is this guy, Alien Invasion. He he's my yeah he's my new shit with this monster truck shit. I gotta follow him. He's got the LEDs all over all over his truck, and he's yeah he's crazy. No man. shit. I'm, I, yeah, I'm into it, man. So that was cool. Um... You know, just listening to death metal and doing my thing, doing my job, man. Besides that, that was my week. What what else is going on with you, man? Oh, not too much. You know, oh, same, you know, frequenting, listening to death metal and uh, going to spy museums, uh, researching the Enigma. The, the uh, Enigma? The, the old spy. Uh, Wait, whoa. The little keyboard typey boy that. Uh, it's got deep right here. I don't know what you're talking about U571. Killing the Germans, just okay. you know, they uh, decode uh, how to decode the messages. Allegedly, of World War II. yeah. <laughs> and, and we're talking about World War Two. No, nobody's killing anybody right now on the Heavy Hole podcast. No, it's history for, no, for, uh, for the for the FBI listeners. God bless. Rest in peace, World <laughs> yeah. War Two. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, no, just, that's good, uh, man. That's yeah. good. That's good. You're learning. That's good. Exactly. You know, I have a, I have a uh, the deep state is a is a passion of mine. Oh man! That's all I'll say We're about going that. there tonight. Heavy hole. Holy shit! I feel like there's a serious overlap between death yeah. metal listeners and possibly deep state observers. Would that be a nice way of putting it? I think uh, equally as heavy. Very heavy shit. <laughs> now let's get into some heavy stuff. Will, what do we got tonight? Oh boy. Well, it's funny because we almost went out on a limb there and got kind of crazy political, man. But we got a <laughs> we got um, a grindcore band tonight. We got Paul Herzog who is uh, the bass player and vocalist of Die Choking from Philadelphia, man. They're a grindcore band. Guy speaks his mind, how he feels about what's going on in the world, and his lyrics, man. They're from that traditional grindcore power violence angle. They're one of the fastest, most brutal, most frenzied attack grind bands that's uh, really developed on the East Coast or anywhere that I've noticed in the last few years. And he's a good guy, old school metalhead. We're going to try to get him on the line and um, pick his mind a little bit about what's going on. Let's hit him up. Get him on the phone. I'm good. How are you, brother? I'm doing great, man. All right, man. Yeah, you're. Uh, we're recording right now. We got you on the line with the Heavy Hole Podcast, man. Just so you know. Awesome, man. Thanks for uh, for inviting me to to bullshit with you. Much appreciated. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate your time, man. Just want to introduce you to my co-host real quick. Uh, this is Tom. Yo, man. Yo, what's going on, man? And that's Justin over there. How's it going, buddy? Hey, what's up? 
All right, Paul, man. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us. I know you're a busy guy, man. You got you got your family, your job, your band, man. So um, we're just going to get right into the line of questioning and uh, and try to talk some shit about death metal and grindcore, if that's cool with you, man. Yeah, man, of course. All right, awesome, man. Uh, you're originally from Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. I grew up about uh, maybe 50 miles northwest. And so I had a, a good access to the city with one of the last... Uh, commuter stops so I could jump on the train and was really able to you know enjoy a lot of the music that you know touring bands going to Chicago had to offer so yeah I consider myself lucky you know to despite being in the middle of fucking nowhere you know uh, around cornfields I was still able to get into the city and really kind of see some good stuff you know awesome man yeah I, I want to ask you a little bit uh, actually I want to ask you a whole lot about um when you get into the underground and going to shows and concerts and all that but where does sure. mu where does music come in in your um in your life uh, in your childhood or or later on like is is there is are you a musical family member or you kind of find it on your own any you know uh i mean definitely my my parents you know my my dad was a was a vietnam vet you know my mom was you know into a lot of different kinds of music so it was definitely like a, a rock and roll household but you know my mom was into a lot of weird new age music and so there was always music playing you know like a lot of people who are you know kind of grow into into music always music playing in the house you know whether it was Led Zeppelin or listening to Andreas Segovia you know guitar music or whatever you know there's there's always a variety of music playing in the house so nothing like crazy it's not like parents were sitting there on a on a piano or anything like that but just grew up around it so how do you make the jump to, to playing an instrument uh yeah. and, and is it guitar at first well yeah yeah for sure like uh, you know what I, I, i'm sure everyone has that cousin that that kind of you know influenced them to start listening to heavier music or whatever but Amen. I, you, yeah. you know i had i had a i had a cousin johnny and you know he was that he was that rad dude you know like you know i, I grew up in the primarily in the 80s you know what i mean so you know he he was riding around on a bmx bike with pegs and had the checkered bands and you know <laughs> lis listening to twisted sister and you know and, yeah. and the big i think Long the big the, the big leap for me of course was uh was iron maiden so yes. yeah so yeah, he, you know yeah. he got me into iron maiden at like you know a real young age like the deano stuff which you know I, i'm a bruce dickinson guy all the way but you know, he had, he had gotten me into, you know, into Killers and the first record. And, and actually... Yeah, it's great stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, he had given me tapes, you know, and I, my parents were a little... We, we, you know, I love the art, you know what I mean? And that kind of initially as a kid kind of, like, grabs you. But, uh... Of course, you know, yeah, uh, man. And is, do, you, do you think that's what led you getting into, like, more extreme forms of metal? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just took, you know, I, I guess a fairly, I guess, typical trajectory for the time. You know, my parents listened to Led Zeppelin. You know, my cousin got me into Twisted Sister and listening to Iron Maiden. And then, you know, I just kind of followed the course, you know, like I'm sure many people my age getting into, you know, American and German thrash, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and from there, of course, you know, you know, you know, Pestilence, Consuming Impulse and, you know, the first couple death records kind of start to peek in. And next thing you know, that's like all that I'm listening to. <laughs> And, and I'm glad you brought that up because um, where when you were born, your age, you're, you're kind of right there in the early 90s when all that stuff kind of takes off and there's that death metal, uh, you know, renaissance or that, that first uh, golden age of death metal sure. in the early 90s, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, mean, I, and I still kind of felt like I was, you know, a little bit, you know, late to the party, you know. Um, 
But, you know, I, I think I was lucky because I think when I was a freshman in high school, I went to my first show, which was uh, in Chicago at the at the Vic Theater, which is like a, I don't know, the reasonable size venue, maybe like 1,500 people or something like that. But Creator was touring for Coma of Souls, and uh, the opening band was, was pretty much the first live band that I had ever seen um, was uh, Morgoth. Like, wow, like, yeah, Mor- yeah. like Morgoth was on that tour, which is yeah. We were just talking about them uh, on a previous episode, which, is, which is crazy. You know what I mean? Like, so my first experience of like seeing a live band was like, you know, watching Mark Grew, you know, the you know blonde haired, wild kind of vocalist, just tearing it up on the stage. And I remember just kind of walking up, like, what the fuck, you know, like, holy crap. So I mean, that, yeah. you know, that that definitely in those the, the two demos, I think that Century Media put out the I guess. Uh, Eternal Fall and Resurrection Absurd, um, you know, I, I've been listening to ever since. Yeah, and I, I, yeah. I still love those records for sure. But uh, yeah, some of that stuff you hear when you first get into this stuff makes it. I was just talking to uh, somebody the other day. There's a band from Florida, uh, Judeca, um, that's kind of lesser known, but uh, I just they were just right there at the right time when I was 14, and I'll always love them just because they they remind me of uh, that 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 young age when you first discover uh, the underground scene yeah i mean i mean i i, I had familiarity with you know with Deathnail at the time because i mean it was i think it was i think that was 91 i believe um and it's kind of funny enough you know biohazard was on that that tour as well so you know that was kind of a, a fun first show to see you know got to see some yeah some rabid death metal got to see you know, some some hardcore, and then straight on to Creator when they were kind of starting to blow up a little bit more after uh, um, uh, after Coma of Souls had come out. But, uh, yeah, yeah, man. yeah. That, that's that's all. I just wanted to throw a couple of names. Um, speaking of old school Chicago times, sure. and maybe may, maybe have some input. Um, Broken Hope. Oh yeah, um, I, I know you and I have uh, discussed mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> discussed Broken yeah. Hope in the past. Um, yeah, rest in peace, uh, Joe. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, and and I still have your, uh, um, when we did that that tour, uh, we'll talk, we'll get into all this later, but when Die Choking and Artificial Brain did our mini tour together, I think it was 2015, he gave me that um, Bowels of Repugnance t-shirt that uh, that might fit my uh, my nephew one day, so I framed it. I still have it framed up on the wall. <laughs> nice, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that, they were a band that I think, you know, around the time that a lot of the heavy hitting kind of earache bands were coming around in the early 90s were were that were one of the opening bands that was consistently on a lot of those shows you know like broken hope uh macabre um and and a band that i i still think is unmatched as far as originality of sound and heaviness the dead youth which was a, a members originally of um uh who went on to form uh, usurper you know, okay. m- much more like Celtic Frost kind of traditional kind of sounds, but you know. Yeah, they were on uh, Necropolis Records in like the '90s. They put out a few albums. Yeah, Dead Youth were on Grindcore Records. I mean, they, they weren't Grindcore at all, and, and as much of what was on Grindcore Records was not. But um, they put out the first Cyanide album. Yes, and Truth. Cyanide yeah. Cyanide was yeah. another one of those bands that was you know uh, from the area that uh, that was was constantly on. You know that we got to see frequently. You know. Um, uh, awesome. You know, there's Macabre, Oppressor, um, Broken Hope, and Dead Youth were frequently. And of course, there was like a you know a slew of other bands that you know I still go back to time to time. You know, who had who had great demos and you know played good good shows. There was venues um, 
what some of the names of the Thirsty Whale. Medusa's was like a venue that was in Wrigleyville. Um, and they, they, they did shows from, I think, the early 80s into the early 90s. But, you know, I caught the late kind of segment of when they were doing shows. And they had great gigs, like, you know, that first wave of Eurake bands coming in. Um, who What else was on? Uh, they did the Death Pestilence Carcass show. They did, I think, Broken, uh, not Broken Hope. Uh, they did Bolt Thrower, Believer Sacrifice. They did Entombed, Unleashed. Um, I think Dead Horse, I think, was on that. But yeah, just a Dead Horse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, a ton of good shows, you know. Just I think just within a year or two of me like getting into it, they that place ended up closing down. I think Medusa's in general, as far as like Chicago underground, was pretty was pretty uh, impactful, like really important. It was it was a good place. Did you have any involvement in uh, tape trading? Not zines. You know what? Not really. I mean, I guess zines just because I was ordering stuff from abroad. And it would take so long, you know what I mean? Like, you'd order something, you know, based on like the, you know, like a little insert uh, from a CD or a tape or whatever. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't see it for like a month or two. Even even ordering from like your make, I remember, um, it, it would take a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. I, I think- and some, sometimes you were like wrapping $3 in an envelope and just hoping on good faith that, that a demo comes back to you. you yeah, know? I think I... I, think I uh, I never got to mention this to any of the original dudes in Repulsion. I never really got into bullshit with them, but I sent them money at some point, and I never got, I never got anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they they owe you Repulsion bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might, if, they, if it's it might might be interest enough now, they might owe you a whole CD. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Man. Was what were uh, I? I mean, um. I don't really know much about your musical history, man. Were you in bands when you when you were younger in high school or anything? What, what kind yeah, of- like uh, you know, I was in like uh, you know, kind of a cheesy death metal band that was trying to rip off Suffocation and and Cannibal Corpse at the time, you know, called Dreadworm. But uh, <laughs> Dreadworm. you know, it's a good name for yeah, a high school like band. That. Yeah, Dreadworm. That's pretty good yeah. for high school. <laughs> yeah. Dreadworm. But, yeah. but uh, you know, beyond that, like I had some friends who were really musical for their age and they they played in like a almost like a like a prog like aggressive band at the time was called the java mummies um and uh so they they were really good players like like even acoustically i think the one guy was you know he was able to play like really highly advanced stuff as like a 16 or 17 year old you know what i mean so I kind of grew up around that and those guys, you know, were already into jazz and playing classical guitar and like, like, damn, you know, um, you know, and, and as, as I kind of followed through that, you know, I kind of started to pursue guitar, you know, a bit more seriously and, you know, just having dudes around me who were into it, you know, and eventually I ended up doing a record with those guys um, in a band called Sectara, which is... Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, you had sent me the link, uh, Interstellar Terror Beneath the Eyes of Banes, right? Yes. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it's like uh, very much, you know, I guess, mid-era death influence, you know, with a lot of a lot of Cynic and Voivod kind of kind of stuff going on. But yeah, a lot of a lot of crazy stuff, man. And I thought it was really interesting, man. I would recommend any anyone who's a fan of die choking. And kind of wants to hear um, uh, maybe a whole different side or 
You know, I mean, you, you, there's some wild stuff going on in Diet Choking, but it's also compressed and goes goes past you at a million miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, with something like Sectara, it's, it's, it's so uh, progressive and technical. Remind me of like, uh, you know, like you said, Death, maybe even Voivod, Cynic. Yeah. Um, things like that. Actually, something that really reminded me of uh, in a few parts was Thought Industry. I'm, oh yeah, that, that's uh, that's that's funny that you mentioned that as well, man. I I'd had discussions with uh, what's uh, Kevin from Dysrhythmia. I know was a big fan of <clears throat> of Thought in- Industry as well, and I think he yeah, I think under- underrated band. Yeah, and he he had actually said the same thing, and and I'd strangely seen Thought Industry at at one of the Milwaukee Metal Fests. Oh, here we go. That's old school. And people <laughs> fucking hated them. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, I yeah. I remember they looked real nerdy up there, you know. And I think at the time, you know, I was like, you know, wearing urban, you know, camo shorts and combat boots and like an extra large T-shirt as like this little 110 pound dweeb, you know, like, man, these guys, you know, kind of suck, you know. But in, in reality, they were fucking really, really cool, super interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that I, I can imagine, man, because those guys kind of, you know, you see the, um, even in the layout of the CD, they just kind of look like real freaks, you know, yeah. just dressing, dressing kind of crazy. They were on Metal Blade Records, but they didn't look like metalheads. They were just kind of a weird, artsy uh, band, but they, they were so cool, man. Any uh, listeners might want to check out Thought Industry if you're just into something kind of different, a, a very progressive experimental take on um, metal music, but... Um, to- yeah, talking about uh, Sectara, there was even like kind of uh, horn sections going yeah, on. Yeah, that's actually uh, Bruce from uh, Yakuza. Um, okay. Who you, you may have listened to. Like he, he does, he actually plays in a, in like a very well-known, uh, like it's either, I can't remember, there's a few of them, like of the high kind of profile, like big touring Led Zeppelin, um, like cover bands. And they play big shows. Like they'll do like, you know, back to back you know, shows at the House of Blues, you know, sold out. But they they do everything like to the T, you know what I mean? But he, he does yeah, he does the yeah. vocals for that. But he's also a really a really great saxophone player, you know, really awesome at improvising. You know, he's always Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of um, you know, saxophones and, and different types of in, you know, instruments and, and metal uh, done tastefully. Yeah, that's you know, that's it, the key is, is tastefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, you know, I, I enjoyed it man. It was a really good uh, good album. Nice man. Yeah, uh, and uh, and the other thing I wanted to ask you about, um, and I wanted to ask you how much involvement you had, it was the band Returner from uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, that's um, a death metal project. There's this uh, really awesome dude here. Um, he's been he's been doing Returner. It's his main project. It's his his main kind of metal outlet. He's a drummer, but he writes the majority of the music, despite the fact that he's not a guitarist. Um, but he he uh, he's got a very good head for putting together guitar and rhythm so i i helped him out with uh with a record and you know we we did some we did a, some uh, shows for a year or two you know nothing nothing crazy but uh you know it, it was it was a really good practice and he was he's a he's like a drummer's drummer in a way like uh you know it got me in the practice of really kind of focusing on i guess uh, the technique of playing I guess rhythm with a metronome and kind of you know we 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 work things out a little bit more i guess uh, so is he writing parts like with with tablature tablature no he he would he would like you know we'd sit down and he would like you know hum out the parts you know oh wow and he would have the bass lines you know in his head and he would have the guitar parts in his head um and uh you know we still keep in contact he's he's a he's a really and i think he's still he's still 
doing music, you know. But it's always something. You're a very, you're a very patient guy. Yeah, that that gotta, that was that's, uh, that's the that's the hardest part. And you know, I mentioned briefly uh, to this Will is like, uh, you know, I I played in a handful of bands, and it was always, you know, other people's bands, which I'm you know fine with. You know, I, I you know I just want to I just want to play. But uh, you know, right, just get out there and play. Yeah, but Die Choking was a band that you know was was a project that I you know I kind of started. So right. you know it, it, that die choking definitely feels more like the style of music that I, I you know that I wanted to pursue playing you know your your vision yeah yeah I know you know of yeah. course like you know I play with you know uh, with Jeff and Josh both of which came from you know they played in really great bands prior and uh, and and Jeff who, who I knew from uh, playing in a really awesome very dense uh progressive doom band from here in, in philadelphia um called burden um and and i think by far one of the heaviest and best bands out of philadelphia that i've ever seen so i mean at the time that i started playing in die choking you know i was playing guitar and doing vocals and playing guitar just like especially initially we were kind of doing it as a two-piece um it just wasn't as fun. I felt like it was. It was not. The, the instrument was just more delicate. You know, like you could hear, like the clanks and kind of mistakes and this kind of thing. And I couldn't focus on doing vocals as, I guess, as heavily. So yeah, yeah, I, I can right. only imagine. Yeah. yeah, and the writing style being so fast and stuff is all like power chords sliding around. And stuff. Yeah, it's not as fun. Yeah, that, that was the main thing. It wasn't a matter of like, well, could I do it or not? Like, yeah, sure, I could. You know, but. I, you know, I wanted to be able to just rip the vocals a little bit more aggressively and just play more rhythmically. And uh, so, I, you know, I switched up to bass, and uh, it was a really good decision. And, you know, and getting Jeff, who came from a Doom band, like the first, I think, demo, which a demo for them was like, you know, 45 minutes. The demo for us is like five minutes. So yeah. Jeff, Jeff was used to playing very slowly, so he came in from a completely you know different standpoint which i thought was yeah, good and, yeah. and kind of it's hard to make a grind band or a fast band sound like ambient or have have like not that we have a lot of texture but like i don't know a little bit more than just you know straight Rounds speed and i know you yeah know, I, of course artificial brain is like the is a master of doing that you know what i mean but you know i thought it was important to have someone who could help to kind of bring in more um kind of depth to playing in a fast band uh, yeah I, I mean i don't know about artificial brain i just you know i show i show up and uh and they give me the mic and i, and I allegedly <laughs> get stoned and do my thing but um but no i, I can appreciate what you're saying man and it's it's true because die choking i kind of see as having like maybe um the framework of a, of a more traditional uh you know your old school earache style grindcore band but there's a lot more going on um that that hits you sonically, man. There's almost stuff that you got to listen to. Well, the songs go by so quick, you listen to them two or three times, and you can hear certain things going on that you didn't hear the first time. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's, so so it makes for a good repeated listen. I also just wanted to say, just for the listeners, um, if you're interested in checking out that uh, Returner EP with Paul on it, it's called the Black Notes EP, and it's available for free on uh, Bandcamp. Uh, just before we move into the die choking territory, you said that uh, Jeff was playing in the Doom band Burden uh, from Philly, right? Yep. Yep. And then where does Josh come in? Where do you, do you know Josh from before Die Choking or do you meet him as a well, I, recruit, recruiting him? I had, like, with another bassist here in uh, Philadelphia, uh, this guy named Herb, he's a long-time 
you know, punk metal dude, awesome bass player. Um, he played in a band called uh, uh, Yavelina here and also Lit Golden Sky. Um, and they were really kind of, Yavelina was more kind of, I don't know, fast kind of black and stoner stuff. I don't know how else to really describe it, but they were a really awesome band. They did a ton of great shows here. And uh, Lit Golden Sky was just a really weird band with uh, Jamie from, oh, what, what, he played in a handful of hardcore bands. At any rate, you know, Herb was looking for someone to play fast music with, and we started playing together. We went through a couple different drummers and playing like what turned into be the first EP that Die Choking put out, and then finally uh, ended up meeting Josh through, I think, through through Jamie Getz, um, and uh, and that's kind of how we got got started playing with Josh. So yeah, it was, it was directly through kind of looking for someone. You know, after after, I mean, we had some good drummers, you know, but no one who was who was consistent, you know, who could yeah, like. You well, know. There's a lot. There's there's a lot of good drummers, but Josh, uh, you know, it's it, he has his own style, and um, you know, he's kind of a phenomenal uh, drummer. When was he was he always uh, as fast and 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 as uh, you know tight as, as he is now? When um, you first uh, started jamming with him, he's he, he certainly he had a lot of power to his playing, and his, his blasts were really uh like i think in general he's such a hard-hitting drummer you know like yeah. uh, and that's what i, that, what I really like there's no gravity blast going on in, in the things that we do you know he's always just you know stiff arm you know whacking it <laughs> yeah um he's a real <laughs> yeah, whacker it's it's, um, it's it's almost and again it speaks to that it's old school but it's he, he, you know even though he's a very you know he's kind of traditional in what he's doing and he, he's very brutal and grindcore he, he's he's doing it to a, a point where uh, you know people i don't i couldn't see people doing it um unless they they were cyborgs or something yeah yeah you know, he's, there, he's there doing it man the guys you know i think i think he well. had a he had he likes to tell the story he, he played soccer i think in, in high school and i think at some point he like shattered like his uh <laughs> yeah. like the bone along his leg like by his ankle um, yeah, yeah. And he, I've heard, I've heard it. Yeah. So I think he ended up getting a titanium <laughs> rod put in that uh, in that right leg of his. So, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> so any drummer who's listening, if you're trying to get like a solid single foot blast, <laughs> yeah. you know, just break that leg real quick. Yeah. Get some health insurance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's definitely. So I wasn't too off with the cyborg thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, he's, that's like a, an enchantment. Yeah, of. he's definitely one of the. You know, I, I've seen Dave Woody, you know, from from the back in the days that he was playing. Uh, with Discordance Axis and um, and Burt by the Sun, and 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 that that, that motherfucker, goddamn, it's like it's like a blur. But he's still hitting so hard, and Josh has that same kind of ferocity in the in the single foot, and he takes a lot of pride in it. And you know, it, it's yeah, it's, as he should. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a it's a big part of our sound, you know. And I think a lot of people had assumptions that the first, you know, uh, couple EPs, well, actually, all of our stuff really has, I think. I think there's only like one or two sections with double kick. I think mm-hmm. on the first two, there, I don't think there's any. I think on on the third one we did, there's maybe. I think there might be like one section with double kick. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a not that. I mean, I don't have any qualms about people doing the doing double double kick. You're just blast. showing how it's done. It's all right. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> just flex, just flex on them a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. I, it's, no, like, but, it's like the drummer equivalent of playing in standard tuning. Well, from from yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know, for me it is it's uh it's like down picking. 
You know what I mean? Like, if I can down, right. if I can down pick something, you know, it just has a, like a certain a rhythmic attack that's hard to replicate with alternating picking. And I feel like, yes, I, and I feel like it, it's very similar to um, unless you're really like fucking crazy consistent with your feet, you know, which which I haven't really seen, you know, as far as like people who can who can single foot super fast there's just a certain attack to it that it just makes it a little bit easier for me as a string player to kind of lock in as well you know mm-hmm. but yeah is there anything uh, gear wise you want to talk about bragging stuff on, the, on that level in a good way you know like modest bragging well, you, you know the, like the, anything interesting about your chain you know no, your bass you're using now it's nothing stuff. crazy I really like um, I like the music man basses like I recently switched over to just I don't like active pickups um, I yeah. we played. Yeah, I think that trend that trend is kind of going away now. Yeah, I feel like. Uh, I, I mean, I have I I actually have a stingray that I got a while back, and it, and the other dudes in the band just fucking hated it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fine. It look it looks really cool, guys. Come on, look at this. It's all black. <laughs> no, but I they look cool, but also kind of like like Genesis cool. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I like them. I am a fan. I'm not. <laughs> hey, it's uh, all I'm good, man. I'm definitely a proud lover myself, um, yeah. but but yeah, I mean, I I just I I, I want to play just a four string, you know, simple chain, little compression, you know. I've, I've been using a dark glass for a while, um, but really, you know, minimal kind of um, like complexity, and, that, and that's really I only need a couple things, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, what I, kind of head are you using? Uh, I, I have an Ampeg, like that's uh, it's the. Uh, the three pro, like the SVT, uh, the hybrid. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I kind of recently, at least in our rehearsal space, switched over to just playing in a little combo, just because in rehearsal it was just, it, it was too hard to control and hear everything. Um, right. And the only real recent change I made for live was, you know, I, I, we had played a handful of shows with uh, Suppression from uh, Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. who, who, in my opinion, is like one of the best, like. Kind of noise grind bands that the states have has Classic. to offer. Um, but uh, Classic band uh, for for the listeners uh, interested in um, uh, power violence and grindcore from the '90s. That's an kind of I- iconic band almost from that era. Yeah, I mean they're still Impression. putting out great stuff and doing awesome shows. I mean, the first time I saw them, I was just like, my my jaw just kind of dropped. You know, it's it, it just so pure. But um, yeah. <laughs> you know the, the the main dude in that band he he plays out of a uh, I think he probably has like a Sunhead or something crazy, and uh, he plays out of a two fifteen, which I know sounds kind of like unnecessary, but I, I after that I, I got a two fifteen because his bass just sounds and there are there are two piece bass and drums, you know right. But I, I could I couldn't believe it because I I had thought you know that because it was a bigger speaker that you you weren't going to get enough um, clarity. But, right, but I, you get a little too much boom. But if you get a good speaker that's 15 inches, it's gonna growl. Yeah, nice. yeah. That's uh, that. So that was the main thing that kind of changed more recently when we play out live. But um, you know, in general, we're playing like you know such small kind of shows for the most part. You know, you don't really need that much from a from a volume standpoint. You know, I'd rather have a smaller rig that I can crank than this gigantic right. yeah. behemoth I gotta fucking carry around. You know? Right, and when you're in a smaller club, anyway, I mean, like the sound is usually better in a smaller. Place. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's just it's just about like fine tuning it. Yeah, I mean, we, it's I mean, we do with a smaller rig. Yeah, we play houses, you know. Still, 
And, uh, yeah. you know, it's still one of the most kind of fun things to do for me. And I mean, Philadelphia in general, especially West Philadelphia is like, you know, me coming here to play shows was like immediate introduction to, you know, basement show in West Philadelphia, you know, which is, it's such a different kind of vibe than, 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 than the rest of the city. You know, I live in South Philadelphia as, as well as seen, which is, you know, row houses, you know, packed together, super tight. You know, mm-hmm. West Philadelphia is, you know, wide streets, big porches, big basements, and, you know, big basement shows. You know, so it's definitely uh, something you don't necessarily need a massive rig for. No, you're just asking for a payment. Yeah, yeah. I'm, to, uh... I, the stairs that you encounter in those situations are reason enough to... With- <laughs> Although... Have fun with your Ampeg 8x10. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny you say that, though, because... When we, we in 2015, we did the artificial brain uh, die choking tour for a few days. It was like a mini tour, yeah. and wasn't it the first date was a basement show in Delaware? Yeah, yeah. And and the opening band that night insisted on bring their. They said they're like a, like what they say. No, we're a full stack band. And they <laughs> yeah. insisted on dragging down. <laughs> yeah, like crazy amps to, into this. It was a small basement too. It wasn't like your average. Like you know, when you say basement show, sometimes people have a big basement. It yeah. was a relatively small basement with some you know boxes and stuff pushed to the sides. And these kids brought down. Yeah, well, I, I mean, Paul, you may remember better than me the, the, the type of gear it was. But yeah, yeah, I mean, they had good gear too. So, but it was like they had yeah. you know two four twelves on each side, and then I, I'm oh. certain the bases had at least a four ten or an eight ten or something. Yeah, they were ready for that basement that night. <laughs> Listen here, Dad. I'm coming downstairs with all of my sound. <laughs> Please. Yeah, it was the kind of show where, you know, mo- like at least half of the people who were there were actually stuck standing on the stairs. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like clearing down. Time. It, was, it, was, it was all good. It was fun, man. Probably it was a fun show. Probably sounded great. And, and we, still talk, we still tell that story of the band that, that, that we're a full stack band, <laughs> even in the basement, you know what I mean? And then, and then there was a thing where, like, I think they set up, and then they went and they had to go smoke a joint before they played, even though the show was running late. Full stack and, joint. Yeah, and, then, you know, then they, they didn't stick around to watch the other bands, even though there was, like, ten people. It was one of those, you know, one of those stories where, you know, if we keep telling the story in ten years, those guys will have killed someone by the end of that night, you know? <laughs> They just they couldn't get it together that night. Your <laughs> venue can't hold me. I am a full stack man. Yeah, <laughs> not get down there. <laughs> so uh, I mean, now speaking speaking of the different types of shows you guys have played, um, you guys have obviously hit that basement circuit and that DIY circuit. You associate with a lot of like the p- kind of power violence punk uh, end of the grindcore scene, but you guys have also gotten on a, a number of fests. You played MDF. Uh, you played one fest in Boston. You uh, this year, what, what is it? The Quebec Death Fest. You're yeah. This year in September. Yeah. Um, and you guys have done a lot of touring in a very short amount of time. Um, what's you want? You want to talk about that? Uh, when when did you really start getting on the on the road with Die Choke? And what year would you place that? Well, I mean, uh, 2013, I guess, was when we kind of started ramping things up. And uh, you know, I think from pretty much like 2014 through like maybe much of 2017 we we were consistent you know right at least a weekend yeah, a month absolutely. and then every every about six months we do you know you know anywhere from one to two or three weeks you know um we just uh, you know i you know i got a, i got a minivan you know we're a three-piece you know i don't know how bands you know manage to keep organized and anything beyond 
you know, a three piece. I think it's a it's a mir it's a it's a miracle that the artificial brain is able to you know, no no disrespect or anything, <laughs> oh but god damn man, like how do you how do you keep organized with that many with, with you know uh you know. have you met us? We're not that organized, <laughs> you know. Artificial artificial brain Yeah, artificial brain is, is it's a miracle we can get a song together, man. That we're we're not a very well organized band. <laughs> Artificial Art, organization. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of love. We love each other, man. But you know, it's it's sometimes it's tough to get to get it together. Different personalities. People live different places. Somebody's in revocation. The next thing you know, it's tough <laughs> to get an album out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but um but this isn't about artificial brain, man. Uh, you guys in 2016, you guys went to uh, Europe yep. and the UK and did the Department of uh, you know you did a tour with the Band Department of Corrections yes. in France. Was that your first time overseas? Uh yeah, with with uh, Die Choking. Uh, yes. Um. And and that was that was really awesome. I mean, the Department of Correction is, as far as speed goes, I mean, they're just they're crazy fast, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, the great pairing of two bands to tour. Yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, it was nice to to get over. Um, we, we had been to Canada um, prior, um, and and of course we 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 continue to to go up there as often as we can, um, but. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, 2019 through 2020 will definitely be, you know, back into kind of busy mode, you know, as far as as far as playing shows out. Um, and, you know, the last the last year and a half or two has been really kind of just focused on on writing and, you know, family, yeah. family stuff, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because the band has been uh, relatively quiet lately compared to how busy you were. You guys, I, I just took took some notes just to give the listeners an idea. You got in 2016 after that European tour, uh, you came back and did a short New England tour with uh, our friends Pierron mm -hmm. from Brooklyn. Um, you played the Berserker Fest in, uh, Detro in Detroit where you opened up for Voivod. Yep. Um, the Montreal Ear Slaughter Fest, where you opened up for Macabre. Was that the first time you played a show supporting Macabre? I think, uh, yeah, it was. And, and for me, that uh, I've I've known, you know, Lance and Chuck and and Dennis um, in Macabre for. I mean, by far, as far as you know, style and and influence of, of how to play aggressive music. Uh, you know, Macabre is like massive for me, just because I grew I grew up, you know, watching those guys watching those guys play and you know i'm sure i mean i think i think they've been around since maybe 85 or something like that you know but still yeah I mean, they're, another they're, band that doesn't get the credit they yeah i mean Sin a, sinister slaughter and Dahmer are just, oh, just man. masterpieces that, that, that sinister slaughter uh, i'm a, you know i'm a little bit um younger younger than you man but that that sinister slaughter i'll always remember when i was about 15 or 16 a friend of mine had purchased sinister slaughter on vinyl and we listen to it, and um, just the drums alone. Yeah. Uh, you don't hear drummers play, and, and it's unfortunate, I think, maybe because they have that kind of like uh, dark humor, serial killer humor mm -hmm. uh, element to the band, people um, write them off, but you really, you don't hear performances like that every day yeah. captured on record, man. Just such great musicians and way ahead of their time in the death metal game. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could think of countless times watching them play. Uh, that was, you know, just just mind-boggling. You know, they, they don't do a lot live these days, as far as far as I see. But um, yeah, I mean, especially during the, during those couple albums, it was it was uh, really cool to kind of be in that area, you know, Chicago area, to kind of get to see them play a lot of those um, those kind of bigger death metal shows that were that were coming through the Chicago area. Yeah, that must have been amazing to see them uh, kind of in their in their heyday. I, I got to see them in 
2004 at the uh, Maryland Death Fest, I believe it was, and um, they they were still airtight then, and uh, you know I got to kind of fanboy out and take a picture with them. They were really nice guys to me and everything, even though you know I. I, I made the, the mistake of bothering them right after they got off stage and were still uh, catching their breath. Man. They were really nice guys. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure they're used to that getting that man. And I, I know the band. You know, technically the band still does exist. Obviously, those guys are uh, getting up there and they probably have other priorities now. Yeah, they definitely. Uh, they, they're still they're still busy. It seems. You know, I I, I think yeah. they're still they're still cranking out records, and you know, they are definitely the masters of that kind of particular type of horror you know yeah they carve they carve their own niche you know yeah. there's nobody you know no, nobody really liked them and um so so speaking of cranking out records um die choking fans uh are obviously already know that you put out your um uh very uh, uh briefly titled one two and three yep. uh eps or your one or uh, is this three technically a, a full length yeah yeah i mean it's a okay. whopping i think uh, uh maybe 15 minutes i think yeah, yeah it's grindcore that's that's like a double album almost <laughs> yep, <man. yep. laughs> wilding out with that man um yeah so so you know you have the the one two and three i'm not going to be presumptuous and ask you if the next one's going to be titled four you could share that if you want but what can fans expect from uh, the next recording uh definitely you know i think uh, you know we we were happy with with the previous releases and you know i think we, we've tried to keep consistent with the art and the, and the production you know within reason but th this one's definitely the most you know uh i guess stylistically well honed for us you know and i think we we're just much more well practiced and i think uh we we took our time writing and uh recording this one so you know we're you know in the, in the point of you know finalizing mixes right now and you know looking to put it out in you know spring of this year um excellent but uh, yeah it's definitely the it's definitely our tightest and most like uh, i guess song driven you know um mm -hmm. i mean I, I you know i i grew up and i still you know heavily worship uh you know bands like dri and the accused and sick of it all and, and not, not that i'm necessarily going for you know the crossover kind of hardcore vibe you know that that those bands kind of kind of offer but um it, it, it's it's a you know definitely harkens to you know a lot of that you know mixed with you know the kind of speed of earlier morbid angel and you know just really you know focused on locking in our speed and, and the tones that we that we play live and trying to get it to come across on record you know yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and with a drummer uh, like Josh, you know, you gotta you gotta keep him driven and take advantage of what you got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's a good combination, you know. And, and yeah. Jeff, you know, again from um, uh, he, he played in this band Burden. He he did all of their art. He does he does all of our art, you know, and design. So you know, that's, uh, something. That's another thing I wanted to touch on um, was just how you guys uh, have such an interesting um, uh, cohesive uh, unit, and uh, everyone's responsible for something, and um, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Jeff does the art, and it's kind of got the, it's, it's it's got this very signature style. Mm -hmm. Your three EPs, the first one is uh, black and white, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and then the second one is red, yep. and the third one is my personal favorite. It has that frosty, frozen blue look yep, to yep. it. Yeah, the, the next um, the, the next one uh, is yellow. So we you heard it you heard it here first. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we we just we're just going down the line. You know, if we can get to a hundred songs, you know, we kind of we we put the songs in order of what they were of when they were written. You know, mm -hmm. so what you hear from the first EP as the first track was the first song, and you know we don't 
Cool. We don't take time to, you know, sit there and be like, well, you know, this song should go here. No, it just all follows. That's you know. very organic. Yeah. It, it, I don't think I've ever heard of any other band doing yeah, that. Yeah, and know. I mean, that's just the way we, because I want to hear, I like to hear a progression in a, in a band sound. And, right. you know, and I wanted to see that in in my band from, you know, from the start till, till we end, regardless of how far we get, you know. Um, if we can get to 100 songs, maybe that's it. You know, for a grind band, that might not take very long. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, the, the, that that would be an interesting contest. Is look at classic grindcore bands and see how many years it took them to get to 100 songs. <laughs> <laughs> By average, yeah, anal cunt probably took like what like a month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think Suppression's last one had uh, 88 songs on it, I believe. <laughs> so uh, that's a good start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> using yeah. songs is a very liberal term. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, blasts. But uh, yeah, we we just, we yeah. just wanted to have like a, a you know a consistent. We had, we had a, a kind of an idea like going into it, you know what what we wanted to pursue, and you know we're you know well, we're in for experimentation, but we're not we're not going to go too far off the rails. When yeah, well that's 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 what I love is there's a lot of bands that kind of capture that old school napalm death, extreme noise terror, uh, and maybe even uh, some power violence elements in there. But you guys have a real signature to it. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, Josh's drumming um, is talked about a lot, but uh, J- you know, Jeff brings a signature look to it, uh, and you, and you guys add something musically to it uh, that that, like I said, after a few repeated listens, there's always something you catch that wasn't there in the first place. Um, and I just also wanted to say before we um, move move on from uh, from Jeff and the, and the design aspect of the band, uh, artificial brain fans might recognize our um, Ash Eclipse design uh, T-shirt with the volcano. And the uh, elect green electric brain design T-shirt. Uh, both of those are Jeff's designs as well. I know he's. I don't know if he's did, done designs for other bands uh, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, like I, I really like both of those. And I think there's the one that almost looks kind of like a weird decomposing atom or something like that. That's a green. Is, is that? Is that? Yeah, the, yeah, it's a. In my in my mind, it's a brain. But yeah, that could easily be. A, 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 you know, any Shout kind of imagination. Art. Shout out to Art. Yeah, it's nice having someone uh, internal to handle that stuff because it's, it's super frustrating, you know, to, to have to, mm-hmm. you know, to collaborate with, you know, artists in general and going, I mean, the whole back and forth and back and forth, you know, yeah, can, yeah. can be, you know, tough. So I'm definitely very um, happy to have Jeff, you know, helping us on, yeah. on more than just the the musical front you know yeah and it gives you guys a very slick uh signature look like i said before on every release man you know as a collector it's um as a collector i, re- I appreciate what you guys have done with the vinyl and, and the design of it man and and uh, you know look forward to um to the next release as you said and and uh, as we said before in september you guys are playing that quebec death fest yep. is there any other plans to, to to play live or do tours once the record's out or are we just kind of taking it as it comes we're kind of taking it as it comes but i mean there's definitely plans for the year but we just you know we we, we took a lot of time to get this record done and we just wanted to make sure it was it was what we wanted before we started before one before we released it two before we made significant plans for for playing out you know whether it's you know we'll definitely be doing west coast and getting abroad again um but again we wanted to just make sure that that this record was you know something of a of a statement for us and something that you know we were proud and happy with you know and i can definitely say i mean 
drum freaks are gonna gonna shit their pants. I mean, it, 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 Josh absolutely just just workhorse this and really kind of is doing some incredible stuff on it. You know, so while while at the same yeah. time, you know, again, we're 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 trying to, you know, I, I want you know I want a song, you know what I mean that I don't want to repeat. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so that's kind of yeah. I mean, not not to not to draw a comparison or anything, um, or sound cliche, but um, that's. Like look at a a band like Cryptopsy. You know any band that has a standout uh, member, or uh, you know you could find excellent drumming on any Cryptopsy album. Sure. But everybody could sit here and tell you which one uh, they prefer. You know what sure. I mean? So so it's it's not always about um, one member being able to push to a certain point, man. It's what you do with that, and how you write with that, and how everybody comes together sure. with that. And something I appreciate about Die Choking at this point is. Uh, you guys obviously put the work in if you reflect back on your tour history and your show history um, to, to become such a tight, cohesive unit. And I feel like I would be doing a bit of a disservice to the band if um, we didn't also bring up uh, and, and shout out um, Jane. Right? Oh, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Josh, Josh, Josh and Jane are married at this point now, right? Yes. That's uh, yep. Josh, Josh's wife, Jane. And I know that she's um, going above and beyond, uh, traveled with you guys, done merch, uh, you know, take, taking on some of those type of responsibilities as well. And it just seems more, um, it, it just seems to drive home that point more that you guys are this functioning kind of like family. Yep, for sure. Um, and, and even when I see you guys at shows with your merch table and with what you, with what you do setting up, you're just a, like a well-oiled machine. Everyone's got a job. Everyone's in it to win it, you know. Oh, and I true. really res- respect and commend that and um, just want to drive that home for the listeners who might not realize that. Yeah, Jane's awesome. She's definitely tolerated extreme levels of uh, uh, shittiness on all of our behalfs, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's it's great to have someone to help with that kind of thing because it definitely kind of eases the you know the the stress of, of like running back and forth, you know what I mean, and you know it's someone having to man the table and and you know the whole the whole shtick of kind of you know being a grindcore salesman. So yeah, well, I mean, as, uh, you know, when you're on tour, man, having somebody um, who's who's not necessarily a performing member of the band who can uh, handle merch, uh, handle organizing certain things, oh, sure. take over driving sometimes, yep. there's a lot of things that go into touring besides playing an instrument on stage and having an extra person, especially someone who's supportive and who you can trust there yeah. um, is because a lot of times bands, are, you know, some bands out there on the road, they just hire somebody who they may not even know very well. Yeah. Um, so it's always great when you have somebody who's your friend and you can trust out yeah. there. So you know, I just wanted to, I just wanted to give credit to her and just give yeah. credit to all you guys uh, from what I've seen as, as the band as a whole unit, man. It's very impressive, and it's not every day. You know, I've said, you know, obviously jo- I was joking before about artificial brain, but um, not not every band can can get that level of uh, organization in their mm-hmm. management. And it's not necessarily just a you know a personal fault level. It's just uh, you know timing and and personality wise. Yeah, you guys sure. definitely have that. Yeah, man. And um. Thanks. We've talked a lot about die choking and about your music, and I just wanted to briefly touch on your day job. Or I know you know you might keep a lot of different hours at this type of job. I know you work at a hospital, correct? I do, yes. And and what um what kind of position do you have? Uh, so I'm a I'm a, I'm a registered nurse, um, and I've worked in intensive care for coming up on 15 years, I believe. Um, oh man! So well, you've it, seen some shit. Yeah, it's definitely. I think you know created a necessity for having a creative outlet you know what i mean you know it's yeah, definitely a, yeah. a catharsis and you know it, even beforehand I, I you know i needed a physical outlet i think you know um 
you know, grindcore definitely provides that. It's uh, not an easy style of music to play um, physically. So, you know, it's something, you know, you, you kind of, you know, build endurance for. But, you know, working in a job with that kind of level of, you know, stress and, and typical sadness is, 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 you know, can be a problem for your own, you know, mental health and, and well-being. So, you know, for me, you know, playing aggressive music has always, you know, been an outlet, you know. So, um, yeah, it definitely uh, gives you a perspective on, you know, the death and dying process and, you know, how to help um, uh, families through, you know, trauma and help families through, uh, you know, acute you know, sudden illness and these kinds of things, you know, so it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, you know, I, you know, I can't, I can't bag on, you know, you know, death metal bands in general, you know, creating this kind of fantasy fabric of, of what they present with their image in being a death metal band. But for me, like, I, you know, and I think it's, it's fairly typical for a lot of grindcore to kind of focus on the, on the realities of the horror of things that are kind of present in our in our lives, you know, or in the world. So it definitely, you know, I think uh, informs why I do, you know, aggressive music and, uh, you know, also, you know, provides a good, good kind of therapy (laughs) for me to kind of, you know, push me through to the next day if I've had a really, you know, rough interaction at work, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's an important kind of counterpart to uh, to what I do and you know what I write about lyrically and you know which you know is is a big part about what what you know this new die choking record is is really about is is about you know the death and dying process and you know acute hospitalization and you know some some pretty heavy things. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's you know kind of in line with you know the aesthetic of what what i kind of feel grindcore is and you know you know having a message but also you know using more aggressive kind of tones and and ideas to kind of you know push your creativity mm-hmm. i i think that speaks a lot to using music um for as a as a means of catharsis and therapy um and and it also shows uh, you know sometimes people think that um uh, singers or, or whoever's writing the lyrics in, in grindcore and death metal bands maybe doesn't have much of an attachment to their subject matter, but you obviously, um, it's it's from a much deeper place uh, in that respect. Oh, for sure, for sure, definitely is a is kind of a crucial part of it. You know, most yeah, no, I, you know, I, you know, I can't even say most people will, you know will will take the time enough to to read a lot of what you know what's present lyrically, but. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I try not to, I certainly write, I guess, a bit esoterically, but, you know, it's, uh, it has meaning, you know, it has meaning to me. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure when, when you're reciting those lyrics at shows every night, you can, you know, you, you, you're, you're seeing things that you, that you were writing about in your head, just like, sure. uh, you know, that's, that's what I experience, you know, and, and every, everybody else who writes lyrics, it has a meaning to you. Um, and, uh, you know, I just res- respectfully, obviously, uh, you know, a lot must go on at your job. I just wanted to ask one question. Sure. Have you ever encountered um, or have you ever been recognized as a, a member of Die Choking or encountered someone you know from the underground scene or from the metal, metal scene who had come through the hospital? I have. 
Um, I don't know if you want to name names or anything. I want to be respectful. Well, yeah, I can't really name names, but I mean, you know, I certainly run across people that, you know, are aware of, you know, the style and the bands. But, you know, again, I, I try I try to keep that, I guess, mm-hmm. a bit separated. You know, people that I work with yeah. know yeah. what I do, um, you know, outside of work. But they also know me as, you know, you know, I would hope a genuine person who, you know, has interest in, in caring for people, you know. Of and that's, course. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, you know, people may, may not understand what the, the, the heart of, you know, grindcore, death metal, or, you know, aggressive music in general, where it, it really becomes is. becomes niche to people, like, um, because of... Because of uh, death metal, grindcore is like so in its own pocket, and it's not for everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, the people you work with, it becomes like a trivial fact they know about. Yeah. Or you know, or, or they they may have but, but, they, they may have certain perceptions about it as being you know evil or you know or you know ill yeah, meaning or I, I intended. guess I mean the, the people who actually get to know you. Sure. You know, sure. It, it's totally trivial. But you know, then then there's gonna be someone who judges everyone. So you know. It just happens that way. Sure. So, all right. Well, uh, Chan, Chan, we appreciate you sharing that, Paul, too, because I think it gives a lot of insight for um, die choking fans. Um, just where some of the music and, and some of the, uh, the the imagery and the lyrics are coming from. So, we appreciate you sharing that with yeah, us. No problem. Um, you know, not everybody uh, necessarily wants to go there, man. But changing gears a little bit, um, we we did ask you in preparation for this interview if you might want to share. A new release uh, and an older release by bands that you like as recommendations for us and for the listeners. Oh, uh, hmm. well, in so far as death metal, like I, I know you and I have talked about this, and I mentioned this band prior as well. And I, I think one that tonally I have a lot of affection for is uh, the Dead Youth. Um, the Dead Youth. Yeah, and they put they put out a record called Writhing, and uh, I think I think in '91. Um, and you know, I have a certain uh, attachment to them just because I grew up watching them many times, and you know, they played a lot of those um, uh, those kind of classic shows coming through Chicago. But uh, yeah, Dead Youth Thriving for sure is is one that that you know from from uh, a little bit a little bit ago is one that I mentioned to people who are who are death metal fans and. You know, want to hear something? Each each individual player, you know, um, the drums, the vocals, the guitar, the bass has its own kind of space, and then they're also just such a heavy band. Um, you know, I wasn't as big of a fan of the Usurper, um, but uh, yeah, the the first uh, the second uh, Dead Youth record is one that I really can't recommend more as far as the style and the sound. Okay, Dead nice. Youth from Chicago. Yeah, and uh, and any uh, anything new that came out lately, even even if it's by an old band or a new band. I uh, I'm gonna kind of go off the the metal 
um, yeah, yeah, a little bit here and, and talk about go crazy. Um, this uh, uh, it's an electronic band. It's like a more of a glitch oriented band, and uh, who I uh, discovered after uh, reading an interview with um, uh, Richard D. James, the guy from Effects Twin. Um, yeah, FX Twin himself. Yeah, so he he mentioned this band, uh, and it's it's uh, I think it's a French guy, um, and the name is Cubrus, Q E B R U S, and okay. it, it's like a, it's like alien electronic sound. It's really super wet. It's almost like Square Pusher in a way, um, but I mean, uh, yeah, it, I, I kind of like you know, of course, in, in you know, talking to Will, I was like. Uh, alien sounds just kind of struck me as, as something <laughs> yeah. that I wanted to mention. Um, That's that sounds really cool, man. It sounds like some, something different. Yeah, it, it, it sounds it, it sounds very wet. Like it's all very kind of slurpy, kind of like bizarre <laughs> alien <laughs> sounds. Uh, if you look if you look on Cubers Bandcamp, there's a there's a ton of records. There's one that's purple, and it's it's all in a lot of them are in ASCII char- uh, characters. Um. What what character? Like ASCII, like uh, you know, like uh, like uh, I guess font, like ASCII characters, like A S C I I, I think. Oh, um, it's like weird characters. I don't know exactly what the origin of ASCII is, but um, if you look at Cubus, there's no like I don't know what the meaning is. If you, if you were to look at like what the record is called, I wouldn't even know what mm. to tell you it is because it's all just these kind of bizarre characters. But, um, yeah, a lot of uh, you know what I think. Uh, like you said before, Richard D. James as Aphex Twin, uh, he kind of started the IDM thing and uh, putting all of his song titles as really weird things. A lot of audience members had no idea that was actually Cornish. Oh, <laughs> like the language. Like he was making, like everyone thought he was making up weird words, but it's like it's actually you know very. Uh, small northern England thing. <laughs> uh, so and then that kind of turned into a lot of the IDM ED, uh, like uh, you know just just weirder electronic music you know you can find it in like data cheat even the uh, square pusher stuff has weird shit that like yeah. it's like he's making fun of Richard DJ <laughs> you know Attacker and uh, you, you know the list goes on Boards cool. of Canada uh, is one that I know a lot of, I know there was a lot of hidden stuff <laughs> I don't. I don't really know their music at all. That was too uh, sleepy for me. Oh uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of. Yeah, it was more like the pothead version of that, that that type of stuff. I guess I'm not. I'm not as well versed in that type of music, man. We, as a matter of fact, this is not death metal enough. We got to stop. No, I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, man. No. mentioned a, a, a newer death metal record that I um, that I did mm-hmm. uh, really really dig and it's definitely yeah, got the more uh, necrophagus meets early suffocation kind of vibe and a Japanese band uh, Fecundation um, Fecundation? Yeah mm-hmm. um, and they put out they actually just put out a new EP but they put out something called uh, I think what was it called uh, uh, Decomposition of Existence um, and, uh, and I know uh, Naru from uh, Obliteration Records in Japan. I think he put it out. I saw that they had some touring videos up, but wow. really, really super tight three piece. Like if if you like, um, if you like, you know that that kind of 
tactical death metal that that's one that definitely kind of sparked my interest and i know that i, I think i think trevor uh from uh, black dahlia had actually mentioned these guys in his last um what's it the obituarius is that the yeah the, yeah. Uh, yeah. the decibel uh recommendation list it's a good list yeah it is trevor shout yeah. to trevor yeah. he knows his stuff man he is that guy is thorough people who people who give that dude like you know or black dolly murder in general like a hard time or just like just chodes you know what i mean like i the, the, yeah. the amount yeah, the amount of knowledge that dude has about like extreme and underground music is like mind-boggling you know I mean, I've, yeah, I've, I've, and that that band has worked their ass yeah. off, and uh, yeah. you know you don't have to like it, but if you talk shit, you can you can fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like, I, I don't yeah. care for yeah. them really. I just haven't honestly listened to that much, but I'll tell you what. Like, if I want to yeah. if I want to check out a cool list of rad shit, man, that 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 dude knows his shit, man. It's crazy. Absolutely, he yes. can back it up, man. Yeah, I mean, um, our, well, you know, just to show how cool he is. Artificial brain really wasn't at any level where we um, deserved or, or could uh, be credible for opening up for them and Goat Whore and Iron Reagan when we did. Um, but he, he kind of helped us out because he's a fan of underground death metal. And I got to see firsthand how hard uh, a, a professional working, touring death metal band works. Those guys bust their ass. And um, I really respect the work ethic, man. And I, I got a chance a few times very busy guy Trevor but I got a chance on that tour to talk death metal and talk demo tapes and all that shit with him and yeah man that guy that guy can back it up and, and talk shit with the most basement dwelling gore grind freak of, you know you, you want you want to talk about yeah, yeah. That, 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 that being me <laughs> <laughs> so yeah man so, so yeah so shout out to Trevor man and, and what was uh, you know we went on a bit of a tangent that was a Japanese band named what? Fecundation uh, Fecundation yeah. from Japan on Obliteration Records. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on I, I Obliteration. Check them out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obliteration's great, great Japanese. Uh, you know, either way, uh, Obliteration Records from Japan is another avenue you might want to go down and um, just check out some of the great stuff they've released. They've probably been around for over 20 years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, all right, well, well, Paul, we really appreciate your time. Um, we're we're going to get close to wrapping it up now and letting you go go back to uh, your, your, your job and your band, your family, and all the things you got going on, man. Um, thank you so much for your time. And is there anything else you just want to say to uh, Die Choking fans and listeners of the podcast? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Exclusive shit. <laughs> New Die Choking. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks a lot, Paul, man. We love you, brother. Thanks, dude. Thanks, Thank man. Thanks. All the best. For us, thank you very much, Paul, for calling in. Paul Herzog from Die Choking, man. Look out for their new album. Look out for them at the Quebec Death Fest and wherever else they go, man. Thanks for talking to us, Paul. So, uh, shifting gears again, what do you what do you got that's new, man? Hit me with something new. All right, time for the new albums. Let's do it. Go ahead, smack me over the head with something new. Make it new, Tom. And you. All right. Wow. So okay, good. As Paul mentioned before, he was talking about that uh, Japanese band, uh, Fecum Dation. Mm. <laughs> so this is another Japanese band I got here. This is Desecravity. <laughs> Desecravity, yeah. Love it. 
Tom, that I is, love this. Uh, we're watching uh, this Desecravity video uh, via YouTube, and there's a lot of drums on that kid. I'm drooling yep. right now. Uh, it's so many. This, so. this guy stole my mother's mason jar collection and made a drum kit out of it. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, so this is their new from their new album, Anathema. Which was released January 25th. This is this band started in 2007. They came out with their first full length in 2012 called Implicit Obedience. And it's vicious. It's just fucking awesome. And I spun it like crazy. Somehow I missed their second album. So I don't know what their second album sounds like. I'm sure it's good. As for this one, I got to start out with a low point. We're going to talk honesty real quick. Give it, give now us, what you guys are listening to is the second track from the album. Uh-huh. What's wrong so, with the first time? So he's got the long. I'm starting out on the low. These drums are fucking. There's right? a lot of them. The low, low note. The album starts with a terrible intro, like oh, probably one of the worst intros ever. And the only reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to listen to it, and I don't want you to be turned <laughs> off by how bad the intro is. Because the rest of the fucking album is fantastic. It's really well crafted, technical death metal, crazy time signature shifts. Weird harmonies and melodies, and some very memorable parts. There's like these catchy bits, they just get you. It's fucking awesome. These guys are definitely music school. This is crazy. Yes. Um, impl- uh, implicit obedience is what these guys were showing when they were writing the stuff. I'm right? so open for this right now. I'm so wide open. Some of the songs end too quickly in the way that they literally fade out too quick. <laughs> Like, there's something weird with the production, but my God, these songs are something... I, like, I go to bat for this shit. Paint a picture so when you put it on, you know we're hearing the same shit. Sick death metal all the way around. Vocalist... This is wild, yeah. This is wild. The vocalist is on point throughout the album. He does a really, like, low, similar to Glenn Benton kind of shit, but then he also does this really high-pitched shit that gets coupled with it. It's kind of like vicious Donald Duck at times, mm. but it's awesome. Really cool stuff. This is just killer stuff. So, Desecravity's new album, Anathema. Pick this one up. I'm gonna peep it, man. And if you get a chance, look for their video. The the drummer, uh, the, the amount of racks and toms. This guy, he's got like more roto toms than most bands have any toms. It's it's insane. It's in promotion. They've done like four videos like this. So they did four official official videos for this album before it even came out. And it's all these player videos. It's great. It, it looks like somebody made an ice sculpture at Sam Ash of all the drums. Yeah. And he's playing it. <laughs> right? Winter Wonderland. Look at those yeah. plexies, man. All right. That's a gravity. Do it. I love it. I'm in love. Right? This is the kind of music that like works through the entire inside of my body. Just just killing any tumors or any sort of lesions or cuts or ulcers on the inside. Powerful. Makes right? me feel really healthy afterwards. Yeah. Right? It's got that breath to it. Ooh. Everybody's going to jail nowadays. 
it's all coming out from the 80s, all the crazy shit. Spoiler, spoiler about this band. Allegedly. Uh, they don't know Venom at all. Venom. Nobody from, nobody from Venom is in this band. Yeah, the joke, my joke is over. This is a band called Venom Prison. I'm Venom sorry. Prison from, from Wales, United Kingdom. Okay. Uh, the, this album, Animus. Uh, what we're listening to is the second track, Abysmal Agony. Uh, so this album actually came out in 2016, but has since been reissued in late 2018 with uh, a bunch of live tracks. Um, okay, gets a pass. Man, yeah. so <laughs> like, I, I find this band, and it's it's just like a it's a glowing light in my in my lifelong search for bands that blend hardcore and death metal that you can't call deathcore. It, mm. They they make they make a delicious meatloaf rather than like a sampler platter. Uh, of shit so uh, I think this band is is uh, has truly done something uh, smart and creative with their um, uh, you know span of, of of musical tastes you know across different heavy genres into, into making this something new and, and, and sort of cool and um, you know it might not be the most original most crazy thing but I, I, this is certainly something to, to, to watch man um, this grooves man it's solid this but, is cool so so my girl uh, Larissa Stupar singing for, singing right now. Larissa Stupar. Do we know her from any other projects? Uh, sh- I'm not gonna say because I can't. I can't say. Okay. She's been in other stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa. She's been in other stuff, but I can't say what it is right now. What? 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 <laughs> why? I'll tell you uh, in a different episode. Oh. Oh wow. Why? Wait. Why is she in Venom Prison, man? This has got to be something bad. She was in a bunch of other bands that I don't remember the name of. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, so this is a female vocalist yeah, we're hearing right now. I, I dig her style, man. It, it kind of just—it kind of reminds me of early Corey Taylor, to be honest. And uh, and, and her approach is very hardcore. Um, mm-hmm. little little bit about her and her and her style right now, man. Is she? Uh, she's really trying to take a stand against the the uh, masculine-driven rape fantasy sort of uh, reoccurring theme in death metal by introducing her sort of a uh, strong female leading. Let's take the dicks off of rapists and shove them in their mouth and mm. uh the album artwork uh so no is, is done by a, a yeah. german painter um ellerin cantor uh she's she's known for these sort of uh renaissance uh death metal album album covers uh, she's she's done work for uh for the, the japanese band sai she's done a few testament album album covers uh the the bloodbath one that we featured on a on a previous episode yeah, with, with, the bees, with the bees in the crib oh yeah yes same artist? Uh, same artist, yeah. She's oh, wow. Hate Breed, okay. Flesh God Apocalypse, uh, Incantation. Yeah. All that good stuff. I, I, I don't know, man. I just think this band is doing a... Well, you know, you're talking about the art now. In, in this uh, album cover, they got a guy, and he's he's getting... Uh, getting his balls ripped off. Yeah, oh. he's getting his gen- genitals uh, cut off. Or I mean, you know, I, I guess I could see that the turnabout is fair play thing. There's plenty of death metal, uh, misogynistic things. Yeah, why, I mean, why not? Like, Waco Jesus, holler. Yeah. And, um, that had Gorgasm, all those types of bands, man. We've talked about it on the show before. It's no uh, no, it, no surprise, man, it happens. So, dude, I, you know, turnabout is fair play. The chicks want to do it. That's yeah, right. Like, absolutely. Let it happen. Rip a dick off to a heavy riff. Like, why the fuck not? I mean, <laughs> Me personally, I never really had a band where we were doing the whole uh, beating up chicks and killing chicks thing, man. It wasn't my bag. No, it's but, not mine either, know. but it is there. You but know. I guess it's, if you're yes, doing it sure, as a reply, you know, I mean, whatever, man. Artistic expression. If, if, the, if the women want to do something where the guys are getting the balls cut off, 
you know, it's death metal, man. What, what can we say, man? I tell you, this, this, is, this the, this is the same as Venom Prison now? Huh? Yep. They got a video? Okay. Yeah, just don't put yourself on the album cover. You'll be fine, man. It, uh, well, this band kind of blew up a couple years ago, um, or at least been on the steady up and up. Uh, toured with Power Trip a little bit. They uh, they played Download, played oh. Reading. Oh, okay. Cool. Thing, and, um, yeah, they've been, been pushing up there, man. I, I Well-deserving. I think this is, is super well done. All right. Yeah, definitely right. that hardcore element, though, and I uh, I dig the way they do it. Give it a fair shake. You know, it isn't, isn't my normal cup of coffee, but um, they do it. All jokes aside, you know, we we're talking about the uh, um, uh, f- female, uh, female-fronted female band and uh, women in death metal turnabout thing. I got to say, it doesn't really look like she's playing up her sexuality uh, or sexualizing herself to sell the band, which I, uh, I do respect a lot because sometimes with, with women in metal, you kind of see that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do know a lot of female-fronted death metal bands uh, where, you know, women are not doing that at all, and um, they're really representing themselves uh, as, as artists with a lot of integrity. So I, I do respect that a lot, man, because sometimes you see that where, uh, you know, a female-fronted band wants to be taken seriously at the same time they're kind of sexualizing the singer and putting her out there. You, you know, I, I don't think you could have it both ways. Right. For, for sure. I, th- I think this band is, is 100% about the music and... Uh, and the lyrical content, to me, you know, in my opinion, why it's been such a prevalent sort of thing is is the current political culture and uh, and what if you can latch onto. But I, you know, I say why the hell not if you're going to get people's uh, you know eyes on on some heavy music that that might not seek it out you know for any other reason other than they're angry at men. Like yeah, the fuck uh, not. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, so. I, you know, I never raped anybody, so I guess as long as it's not on me on the album cover, I don't know. Dick you know, is safe. Venom prison. Go for it. Bing bong. Rips. Speaking of cool album covers, I really like the artwork for this. It looks like some sort of old school um, wood cutting, maybe from like medieval times or the dark ages. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not much of a historian. I'll, I'll start saying the wrong stuff and sound stupid to really educated people. But it's one of those old school creepy wood cuttings that looks like the plague and they're carrying dead people <laughs> off or something. Man, cruelty exalted from California, established in 2012. Um, now 2018, they put out this self-titled EP last year. From what I understand, it's a project uh, mainly driven by uh, a guy named Erland Casperson, who I was not uh, altogether familiar with before I heard this, but apparently he plays in Abhorrent. He's ex-Spawn of Possession, and he's mm-hmm. played uh, session bass, live bass for a lot of bands people have heard of. Man, this guy's a What's his cat's name again? I'm sorry. Erland Casperson. Shout out to Erland. All right, big, yeah. Yeah, Big Earl. Erland Casperson on the bass, and you'll uh, hear this is a very bass-driven uh, project. There's a drum machine. I really, you know, drum machines are, are you know, touch and go with me, hit and miss. I, I really like the way this was done, and I found out that since the recording of this, Mike Heller of Fear Factory and Malignancy uh, fame has joined on drums. So look forward to the uh, the future of Cruelty Exalted. But this EP uh, that has a drum machine, it was programmed very well. I like the way they did it. I especially like um, the bass, just the rhythm of this. Uh, it, it, it has such a catchiness to it um, while still being busy and not being kind of uh, simplistic and, and um, just kind of like one or two note groove driven. 
It's really great. Um, the sound is kind of competitive with modern com modern production without being too compressed and too airtight. Um, I, I really like this man, and, and it's it's catchy. It, it's it's busy, but the groove, like I said, it's not too obvious or too much. It's it's just kind of there, uh, you know, and, and it's kind of subtle. Very progressive, multi-layered passages with lead guitars, and then the bass is doing its thing. It's almost. Uh, um, I, I hate to even say this because it's gonna people's gonna put the goofy image in people's mind, but it's like funk death metal, and I say that with the highest praise, man. All about that hard funk. Yeah, the the bass and the groove on here is is really uh, prevalent, man, and it, it's driving and it's catchy and it's not cornball or forced. This is really cool shit. Fucking thump, thumping in the background. Very cool vocals too. Yeah, the vocals. Mm -hmm. I understand the guy who programmed the drums also the sing. I wish I, I don't have his name on me right now. But, um, yeah, Cruelty Exalted, man. Watch out for them, because with Mike Heller on drums, I can only imagine this, pro this project is going to take off once they release a full-length album. Okay. Uh, hopefully they'll release an album this year. Maybe, uh, you know, who knows how long we'll have to wait for that. But check them out, man. They're, you know, they're on Facebook and your usual means of, uh, of uh, checking, checking out new projects, man. And, again, it's um, with Erland Kasperson on bass, uh, who people might recognize from the band Abhorrent. He's currently in Abhorrent, and he's ex-Spawn of Possession, Played at some point in Decrepit Birth Live. He's filled in on for a whole bunch of people, man. You go to this guy's uh, Encyclopedia Metallum page. He's, he's been in every band. You hear what we're getting into here, man? The bass is just off the meat rack. I love this shit. <laughs> So yeah, I'm bringing right. some old shit that you probably should know if you listen to this podcast. And if you don't, that's cool, too. No, right? it's not cool. Turn the podcast off and listen to Rotten Sound. And then come back and turn the podcast back on once you listen to Rotten Sound. Yeah, I'll pause play. it now. Your podcast player will resume at the same point. We'll that, be live when yeah. you get back. Thank yes. you. Yeah, so this is a classic grind outfit right here. We got Rotten Sound. Mm. Finnish band. Mm -hmm. This was put out on Repulse Records. Great label. This is their first full length after a few uh, splits and EPs. And damn, like this is just a fun, groovy mm -hmm. grindcore experience, man. They yeah. they uh, they really paved the way for grindcore, uh, the new, the second wave of grindcore, if you want to even call it that. I, I agree, and I was thinking of the right words to use, and you just plucked them out of the air. Yeah. Um, what, what year did you say this was? 97. Yeah, it was 97. It was recorded in 97. I, it, it came out late in the year, so I found some things that said it came out in 98, but mm -hmm. we're not going to, like, pluck straws here. Like, no. This doesn't matter. Like, it, it's still 97. This is when it was yeah. recorded. It's Because I was going to say, um, these guys, I, I have a lot of memories of Rotten Sound from the early 2000s, uh, seeing them at Maryland Death Fest and things like that, and... Um, just, just seeing how they kind of came into their own, and even the last few years, when they came back over, man, how they kind of returned uh, victorious. You know, I, I'm glad to see them getting a lot more recognition nowadays, man, because they really led the charge with a lot. Like, like you said, that second wave of grindcore. When, yeah. when I got into all this shit in the mid to late '90s, 
Um, you know, you had the gore grind with dead infection and regurgitate and hemorrhage and that sort of thing and the American power violence scene and there was a lot of different things going on and Rotten Sound came out with something a little bit different, man, and, and they were ahead of their time for what where Grindcore was going. Great yeah. fucking band, man. Yeah, it was it, an awesome release. And it's cool because they, they, they were coming out at a time like what you said. Um, it's... It was refreshing for the time, but also this has a lot of callback shit. You know, this goes back yeah. to Napalm Death, and even with like the song structure and shit, this is almost like very punk rock Sex Pistols on yeah. crack. You know, just yeah. fucked up, like just driving Dead Kennedys kind of songwriting. A lot you of, know, a lot of punk attitude. Right, D beats up the ass yeah. with this shit. And I like that. I'm a big D beat guy, so this is great. And uh, yeah, so listen to some Rotten Sound. Awesome fucking band. Oh, wow. We're going. Oh, man. Heavy holes going into the moat now, huh? Dude, let's fade in. Do you guys want to fade in vocally? We start talking from back here. My classic album right now. That's what we're going into the moat. Into the moat. Early 2005, Metal Blade Records. For a minute, I thought it was Devourment sped up. What a mix of like. Uh, of hardcore death and grind jazz just music chart that music man so mm. just that's cool right there I like that man yeah this is a band I remember the name but um it, was, it wasn't really in my neighborhood of music too much when I was in Biolich I think some, some of the guys and some people we were around were like rocking this band hard very interesting technical crossover stuff there's no joking around here. Like these guys, no, this, every, everyone knows how to play. These are these were young guys when this shit came out. I, these think, guys, I think they were like uh, eight, you know around the age of eighteen uh, when this album came out. It's just music school nerd shit, man. But it's huh. it's it's done. So it's got Fuck. it's got feeling. Wow. I think people forget the degree of experimentation and pioneering that was going on in the early two thousands with with regards to recombining uh, death metal and, and hardcore, you know, because you, like it wasn't the first time anyone had the idea to do crossover, obviously. They were doing the thrash meets hardcore thing in the 80s and early 90s, mm -hmm. but the idea of taking the breakdowns and the blast beats and the low vocals <clears throat> and the technicality I think nowadays maybe we're the the, the the maybe the, the to be corny the moat's running a little dry but um the well's running a little dry I think but with the ingenuity you know or maybe I'm just not looking at the right places but this is one of those bands and what was the band that you were playing last week um animosity animosity, yeah, animosity yeah. man another band you know something uh, you know something to think about man Every, all, all the detractors of deathcore and metalcore this came out the same year, man. As yeah. uh, this like 2004, 2005, I think it was a huge year for this. You know, I, I think Into the Moat even draws off of earlier Dillinger. You know, like Dillinger Escape Plan, yeah. Between the Buried yeah. Me, like that kind of a melding of genres. I think they do it a little less chaotically, a little more like, even though I it sounds like a, yeah. it almost sounds like a stream of conscious, like you know, riff after riff sort of thing. Uh, it's all so incredibly musical and makes sense musically with the the, the choices of time signatures and. Uh, when they choose to uh, pull and pull the rhythms with it. Yeah, I could hear um, that. 
I think this this band is truly in a class of their own. I haven't heard any anything like this or anything really since then. Like that 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 did it with this. Uh, like this sort of execution. Uh, the only band I could think to compare this to, but that was more on the grind level and just like powering through songs and not so stop starty was Ed Gain. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but still, like uh, you know, they, they're very loose. They're very you know? d- they're, no, very two different things. I mean, I'm just listening to the rhythmic qualities and sure, stuff, yeah, yeah, and I that nature that. of um, like like I said, this is more stop start. It's not what we would call tech death, but it was extremely technical. Sure, you know? yeah, or even uh, Sinopus, uh back then. You know, like, yeah, kinda, exactly. Yeah, kind of doing some similar like, like similar uh, interesting guitar work, even like to accompany that, but. It's yeah. not just frantic for the sake of being frantic. I don't think so. You know, there's a lot of bands that I think were just trying to, like, it was, it was almost gimmicky in a way. You know, Dillinger was their own thing, but after that, there was a lot of bands coming out that I think were just trying to, uh, you know, be frantic and crazy for the sake of being frantic and crazy, you know? I remember, I, I, I heard this shit when they brought Headbangers Ball back early 2000s. I was laying in bed. Yeah. I shot up. I don't know. It was, uh, it was like 10th grade, 11th grade. I don't know. love this shit. Plotted symmetric sexual organ from Japan. Another Japan band. Yes, with their classic uh, 1995 record, Negro Loxes Eight. If I said that right, on Morbid Records from uh, Germany, classic uh, grindcore label. Um, this this band was just an oddball, wild fucking band. Uh, Japanese psychedelic grind noise death metal they released tons of splits and tapes and um vinyl uh varying quality they they believed in recording like uh rehearsal and live tapes and improvised sessions they would improvise live a lot and had like different mixes and jam versions of their songs um they were really into video games anime uh classic heavy metal brutal gore grind they had all these samples and sound effects uh, running through and the really cool part about this album I have the CD I should have brought it here tonight man I have it at home my collection you look through the booklet they have little explanations for each song the influ- you know the influences this this one they like the grave riff this one they like the Iron Maiden part and they do- it's it's just such a, a crazy weird random art project of a band to get into and um, there's a lot to get into there too to, to look through but this album in particular is a great place to start. It's um, where I first heard them, and I, I, I have a few like different tapes and, and uh, releases of theirs from back in the day. And uh, unfortunately, something I forgot to ask Paul Herzog of Die Choking about in the interview, he was in a band called Total Fucking Destruction with Richard Hoke from Brutal Truth. Uh, and, and Paul Herzog was in that band very briefly. Uh, and in 2001, they did a three-way split with a band called Nuclear Devastation and with Clotted Symmetric Sexual Organ from Japan. So that's why I brought it up tonight. So next time we get Paul back, we got to talk to him about that a little bit, man. Maybe we'll get him on the spot one night. But anyway, this is Clotted Symmetric Sexual Organ uh, from Japan with their 1995 release. I don't think the band is still around, but they put out so much shit uh, in the 10 or 15 years they were around, man. Wild band. 
This is very weird. Yeah. Weird in a good way. They were associated a lot with like very DIY underground gore grind and noise and experimental music. And um, you can tell why, man. You know, it's it's wild shit. It's dope. We're going to run another song real mm-hmm. quick. Yeah, there's, each song kind of has its own identity. That tone is gritty. Yeah, yeah well, gritty, gritty song. That's the thing is there you're kind of looking at a band that maybe, you know, I'm not going to speak for them, but, you know, maybe like Old Carcass, Rika Putrefaction and that sort of thing. But they wanted to mix it up with all these other crazy influences, but with a grindcore bass. You know, you don't really hear drums like this at all today. And I I think drums that sound like this far back in the mix are kind of charming in a way. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's an old school thing, and it you know it speaks yeah. to maybe um, not having the proper equipment or the knowledge to mic things up. No, but or even mix even, it right. I don't know. No, no, no. It's more of like um, you you know we have a lot of bands that are uh, trying to do old school sounds, old school mixes today, yeah. and they their their drums are still like way up front. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking shots at anybody. Back off, bro. Like, <laughs> talk, talking all this crazy shit. Tom, there's a fantastic, fantastic charm to the sound. So what? <laughs> oh, okay, thanks. Let's. <laughs> what kind of charm are we talking here? We're, we're, oh, we're going to the bottom of the hole? Yeah. We're going to go to the bottom of a heavy <laughs> hole? <laughs> I know what you mean, though, man, because there's sometimes there's even um, with like those raw, those purposefully raw black metal recordings where you can really only hear the cymbals and maybe a snare drum every once in a while. Because they're recording from jail. There's. <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah, yeah, you can record black metal from jail, too, man. Uh, you know, it, there's, a, there's some people do that on purpose because there's a charm to that atmosphere, man. So it, with Grindcore, I feel like, too, because these guys were very into, like I said, releasing rehearsal tapes and live tapes and improvised jam sessions. So they weren't as concerned with um, production quality and, uh, and and controlling what was out there with it, so much as just experimentation and throwing everything at the wall and, and being kind of like a... I don't like listen to this crazy stuff, man. You know, they were throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. Where do I get that Korg pedal? This is tight. (laughs) These are some guys, I I mean, it would be amazing if we could track them down and talk to them about their gear and their different experiences, man. I actually have a live cassette they put out, and I think from 1996, that's amazing because it's got versions of a lot of these songs where they kind of jam and riff on them a little bit and switch them up, man. So it was really cool. Clotted, symmetric, sexual organ. Clotted Symmetric Sexual Organ. C-S-S-O for short. Uh, you'll see C-S-S-O on a lot of, uh, you know, the distro lists or wherever you, you, you get your music nowadays. Very good. Yeah. Check this shit out. They were uh, they were out late drinking one night, and uh, I think the bass player said that. <laughs> and the singer said, we have a name. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, or, or maybe he just got clotted up, man. I don't know. Uh, I got to pee, but this won't come out. I'm clotted. Yeah. Symmetric. Yeah. Coming to the heavy hole, but also one last note on another Japanese band. Since uh, Paul was talking about some Japanese stuff tonight, I brought in some Japanese, you brought in some Japanese. Uh, we're going to do an episode soon about Eastern metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about that scene. Some yeah. crazy shit that happens over here that maybe us Western ears don't get to uh, put ourselves on to. Eastern metal like Hiroshi Tanahashi? Is that a wrestler? 
Yeah. All right. He is the IWGP champion as, at this time. <laughs> as Plays a mean air guitar. As finishes much as that every show. Anyway, thanks for tuning in again. I'm Tom. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Saunched, S-A-U-N-T-C-H-T. I'm uh, Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Yeah, all that stuff, man. Come on. You know, yeah. you, you just look it up nowadays. It's hey, easy. Come on. Uh, and Justin, how, how do we find you? I'm Justin. I'm on Twitter at, at Travis Legion. Legion. <laughs> all right. Roast Mortem Podcast Listen is different my- than this podcast, but Heavy Hole is the deeper one. Yeah, yeah. I love it. A good box. Thank you, good night. Bing bong. (laughs) Alright.